0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode three of the cornerstones podcast. My name is Parker Billings. I'm your host and I am very pleased and very happy tonight to have an extremely special couple on the show. I think this is the episode. I think it's safe to say this is the episode that the world has been waiting for, the chance episode, if you will. (laughs) And, And I think, I think it's the episode that the world needs right now. The world is a crazy place and. Sean and Lindsay are two amazing people individually, and they have come together to form an amazing team, and they serve as a great beacon of hope and light and inspiration. Damn, I'm gassing you guys up already, or even 30 Hello. seconds. Keep Sean's going. sweating over there. <laughs> um, but all jokes aside, I'm very happy to have Sean and Lindsay on the podcast and just want to give them a warm welcome. So, Sean and Lindsay, welcome. How are you guys feeling tonight?
1: Oh, good. I'm honored. You're good. I'm honored really to be good. here. And I'm proud of you, Pete.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I will say that, you know, Cornerstones was um, something I thought of back in, I want to say December or January of this year, but I would not be here if it wasn't for Sean and Lindsay. So, uh, Sean and Lindsay themselves are both very accomplished entrepreneurs. Lindsay, a little bit more than Sean, but Sean's going to get there one day. <laughs> and uh, when I first had the idea of Cornerstones, I sent Sean a text. immediately gave me great feedback um, said he loved the idea and gave me some great constructive feedback as well we had a good conversation and lindsay i actually used sean to get to lindsay because lindsay uh if you don't know if i can give her a little plug is the co-host really the vip of almost 30 which is her own media company her own podcast and lindsay was very helpful and very instrumental to me giving me great advice on how to start it going through the logistics how to set things up i was kind of lost at first and where to begin i was reading articles and blogs and kind of getting you know tripping over myself and lindsay made it very simple very easy if anyone has questions about how to start a podcast lindsay is is your woman but i just want to say thank you both to you because you guys are both very helpful and just wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you two. so, so welcome no no
1: so welcome it's, it's cool to see it come to life i feel like that happened really quickly i don't know how much time has passed <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like it happened so quickly, so. It yeah, is well,
0: thank you. Thank you. Well, I forced my sister and her husband to join the first episode, and then there was a little bit of a lag after that. But yeah, I'm, I'm very glad to have you guys, and hopefully this will take off. So um, so I'm going to pass over to you two, if you could just give us a brief intro about yourself, uh, maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, anything you want to share. Lindsay, do you want to start?
1: Yeah, Sure. I'm Lindsay and I am an East Coaster and now I'm back on the East Coast. I just moved back from LA to start my life with Sean, our life together. Um, But I'm from Pennsylvania, just north of Philly. I'm the oldest of four kids. Um, I've always been quite the dreamer, believing from a young age that I could truly do it all. I was like, I'm going to be the first dancing tennis player I'm going to be the first singing uh singing manatee <laughs> saver like I just you know I thought I could combine so many careers and I kind of feel like that's true although I'm not with manatees but like I feel like I've had many lives within my career life I've pursued acting um I'm a singer I have been a soul cycle instructor i Bartended on the side, waitress. I've been a fit model, and in the last almost six years, I've built uh, the Almost Thirty podcast with my partner and friend Krista Williams. And you know that was born out of a time when we were just going through it. You know, your late twenties. I feel like you could both relate, where mm-hmm. you just feel like you should have it all figured out, and you don't. And there's a lot of doubts and fears and yeah you just feel a bit alone and lost and so we found a lot of comfort in our conversations and um started the podcast on our closet floors and now you know we have a community all over the world and almost 500 episodes in and you know touring all over the world we just realized that like almost 30 is so much greater than us you know it's not a brag, Sean. Like, stop smiling, babe. No, I'm smiling,
2: babe. Like, Shot Clock. Like, we got a whole episode to do. Like.
1: <laughs> like, I'm just saying. But, um, yeah, it's just been quite a ride. And we'll get into our story. But now I'm with the love of my life.
0: Linz, if you want to cut Sean out the rest of the time, we can just.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. Because, like, I'll call Shot Clock on the next, you know. Yeah. On the next, like, monologue that you did. So, so hard. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's fine. But the monologue won't be on the intro. Like, we just get warmed up. (laughs) Uh, I'm Sean. I grew up in Westchester. I am very close with the host, Parker P. Bitta, skateboard, Pleasure P. Um, Yeah, I am born and raised in Westchester.
0: I now live and work in the city, and I work in finance. Amazing. Amazing. So, Lindsay, you alluded to the fact that you started in New York, Sean, you've been working in New York, right? Ever since college? Yeah, June, June makes a decade. Wow, congrats. That's a huge, huge accomplishment. Papa Huck, I know, is very proud. So correct me if I'm wrong, but if Lindsay started out in New York and Sean has been in New York, I'm going to guess you two met in New York. So, uh, Lindsay, do you want to talk about how you and Sean met
1: <laughs> yeah. many moons ago? You are right. You did the math right. We <laughs> definitely overlapped in New York. Yeah, we met we met at a bar in New York. Um, I was, I'm trying to think. I think I was about 25, 26. Um, I'm a year and a half older than sure. Um, but <laughs> um, yeah, we met a long time ago and I just remember um I remember thinking because you know, I feel like in any bar, as a woman, especially like you know, there are a lot of like drunk idiot dudes walking around, etc. And I just remember thinking when I met him, I was like, "Oh wow, this person is different." And I say that because I just felt really seen by him. Like even in the the arena of like this crazy chaotic bar, I was like, "Whoa, this person really sees me," and it actually freaked me out a little bit. I wasn't really used to that, but yeah, we met eight years ago.
0: John, do you want to elucidate as you would say on, <laughs> yeah, buddy. Um, on that experience? Uh,
2: yeah, I think Lynn's got the, the bare bones, but I think like so many facets of my life, it was something that I didn't get at first, but through being persistent, um, it ended up working out. And I say that because even the bar I met her at when I first tried to get into said bar, couldn't get in. And so it took me a couple of iterations before I finally got in, started frequenting it. And then, yeah, you know, I say it often, but uh, I saw a and it wasn't love at first sight, right? I, it, it wasn't, it was infatuation, it was lust, it was attraction, it was all of these words, but it was deeper than the aesthetic, right? Like there was something more, she had a light, there was just something more to her. So that was the first meeting I just remember asking, one of our mutual friends like for her number who is that and all that and as i'm sure we'll get into uh there's a lot of twists and turns
0: to get us to where we are now so lindsay you know you mentioned that sean was different than the other guys who were running around mm-hmm. what was it about sean that was different you mentioned that he you felt like he saw you that you were not just another girl or you know another employee or whatever it may be but what was it about sean that initially caught your attention?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, he has a way of expressing himself and being vulnerable, even with people. He doesn't know he didn't know me, but I just felt his willingness to be vulnerable in that moment. And just, you know, whether it's ask me questions, or just say, like, I would love to, I would love to get to know you, I would love to take you out sometime. to me is incredibly vulnerable. Because normally, you know, in my experience back in my twenties, it wasn't as direct and clear. There was either like some games happening or and we can get to the games that you know ensued <laughs> on on my <laughs> end, but I think, you know, that clarity just shot like straight to my heart, not to be cheesy, but I always say now, like mm-hmm. my soul always knew that Sean and I were meant to be together. Always.
0: Wow. That's a big statement. Yeah.
1: No, for real. I I mean I I believe that without a doubt. But my mind was like, yeah, but uh, he's just like he's too much. He's like, he's too clear. He's too this. He's too that. And it was honestly such a reflection of how I felt about myself at the time. I didn't see what he saw. So it was hard for me to believe him. Mm. And so that first meeting and the first couple dates, you know, I just felt like he was so incredibly present, so present, and made me feel like I could be myself. I, mm. I don't know if I was completely myself at the time because mid 20s, I don't know if we're ever like truly our full selves at that point, but he truly mm. made me feel so comfortable, so seen. And so, like, cared about, even though we were just getting to know each other. But I was like, wow, he's so thoughtful and kind and um, also just had so Mm. much depth. Like, I think that's also what freaked me out. I was like, whoa, this person is deep and likes to go deep and and talk about things that I hadn't (laughs) talked about with, you know, a guy before in a dating context. And so it all was like this new... Territory for me, that at the time I didn't know how to properly handle or handle in a healthy way, but mm-hmm. um again, my soul always knew
0: I mean, yeah, I think to your point about Sean being deep, you know one minute he's reading the Great Gatsby, the next minute he's at Blue Haven, the next minute he's at Hillsong, <laughs> the next minute he's at Pasquale Jones ordering a Brunello you know <laughs> he's <laughs> he you can't really keep up, but he had he's a multifaceted person and To your point, the person that you met at the bar was the same person that you went out to dinner with, Mm -hmm. but just a lot more Mm -hmm. that you probably didn't expect. And just as a little side question, Lens, it sounds like dating is almost equally about showing up and preparation. Meaning, like you were saying that, you know, I wasn't kind of my mind was in the right place. Maybe I wasn't ready to receive what Sean was giving me at the time. I mean, would you say that preparation? Self-preparation goes into dating as much as just showing up.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, I like the phrase self-preparation. I I know it better. And correct me if I'm wrong, the same thing as like, just like doing that self-work, that internal work Mm -hmm. on yourself as you seek partnership. Because I hadn't done that at Mm -hmm. 25, 26, really. Um, I thought I knew it all. And so, in the eight years since we met, um, more so at the like the later half of those eight years, I really committed to that work, to therapy, to you know various forms of healing and ways in which I was healing myself and always healing. But I mm-hmm. just noticed such a stark contrast to how I was able to receive who Sean is. Because I think that's kind of where we get tripped up in dating. We we try to put out so much. I'm going to speak for myself. I I would put out so much to try to convince people to like me. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't leaving enough space for the other to give to me and me to receive it. I was Mm -hmm. like, no, let me show you this. Let me do this. Let me overcompensate in this way and that way. It was leaving no space for the other person. To really show up as themselves and give to me.
0: Yeah. I think that's well said. I think one of the things I love about talking to Lindsay is that she's she's almost holding up a mirror to your own <laughs> self. <laughs> you know, I, I felt convicted just now when you mm-hmm. mentioned that. Something that Sean has probably gotten on me a lot in the past. But yeah, I, I agree um with that sentiment is that sometimes you be so focused on impressing the person that you're not even you're missing out on what's in front of you. And and it's hard to get over that
1: stone i'll also just add one thing let me know if this pierces you as well Parker. but i feel (laughs) like sometimes we we overcompensate in that way because we don't want the other person to see the parts of us that maybe we aren't so proud of or keen on embracing like i'm experiencing that with sean in real time as we move in together i'm like ooh, i don't want you to see that part of me (laughs) are you not gonna like it are you you know what i mean so I do think that that's why it's so valuable to be doing that internal work at the same time mm-hmm. to really just nurture that part of you that is still like healing that inner child that, you know, whatever it is.
0: Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think that was beautifully said. Um, Sean, so to kick it over to you, just two things that I, I would ask you to comment on. Number one, can you talk about what attracted you to Lindsay? I mean, if anyone's ever met Lindsay, then it's pretty obvious.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but
0: Sean, you can speak for yourself. (laughs) Um, And number two, Lindsay talked about the importance of this being you, you know, being yourself. That's one thing that Sean is, you know, before I've gone on dates before, Sean sent me a last minute text saying just be yourself. That's it. So Sean, I think that's obviously what Lindsay liked about you is that you were fully authentic, fully yourself. So can you A, just comment on what attracted you to Lindsay and B, the importance of being yourself when you're out on dates and just in life in general, meeting people?
2: Yeah, so to the first one, what attracted me to Lindsay, you know, as I said, I think she's beautiful aesthetically, but I think in getting to know her and figuring out who she is as a person, a lot of what you joked about, Parker, is exactly what I appreciate about Lindsay in terms of I'm someone who could be at the club Friday night, dinner on Saturday night, church on Sunday, and work event on monday and Mm. i've struggled to find people i don't want to say keep up because it's not a function of keeping up as much as it is someone who is a good partner and someone who is also that dynamic and i say it to her now like i think the most attractive thing about her is how dynamic she is right she looks good when she wakes up in the morning she looks good when she gets all dolled up she looks good when she just worked out and the looks good is just the aesthetic but to see that person consistently exude you know that looking good in a real way is super powerful so that's kind of the the first answer to the question and the second piece about being authentic right like it's funny because we tell our story now and for people who don't know us or only see pictures or whatever it looks linear right oh they met eight years ago this is a wonderful magical fairy tale but if I were to tell you all the things we both had to go through individually to get here, I don't know that everyone would sign up for it. And it is that work that we were able to do together, apart, going through different things with different people, heartbreak, you know, just a lot of difficult things that I think paved the way for us to be here now. Because, by the way, Lindsay knows, but like, I wasn't trying to get back into a relationship when we reconnected, right? I would just gotten out of some. Your boy's trying to live his life. like well, I was trying to be out there. And, you know, just when certain things happen, you have a choice. And the choice is whether to proceed down a certain path or not. And it was funny, because as you guys were talking, this is pretty timely, but I had a conversation today with a gentleman who, in a very serendipitous fashion, I connected with, and he told me uh, the difference between Chronos and Kairos. And I never heard it before, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this may know, but this is kind of, it's Greek, and it's a function of how people assess time, with Kronos being like the linear, measurable time, and Kairos being like the situational time, and taking advantage of an opportunity. And he said that because his point was, the Kronos is picking up your lunch box and going to work every single day, right? Punching the clock, doing what you're supposed to be doing but it's only in doing that work can you then truly see Kairos and take advantage of the opportunity when it presents itself. And I thought about right. that as you guys were talking, because if I hadn't done the work that I was doing in relationships and out of relationships, and Lynn wasn't doing the work that she was doing inside of relationships and outside of relationships, then when she said what she said to me, that kind of opened Pandora's box even allow us to be together, I don't know that we would have been ready. Right. Maybe we would have been questioning it again. Maybe you would have said, No, now's not the time. Or maybe I would have said, like, I'm still trying to run the streets. Like there's so many other things that could have happened. Because even at that time, though I quote unquote knew, or it just felt different, I still didn't take the plunge right in. But there's so much to it. And babe, we're talking about this at dinner just now, right? Like it is that interplay of the work you're doing by yourself juxtapose and contrast it with the work that you're doing with someone else because so much of the time we are hoping that someone else is going to fill a void for us that no other person can fill and if you're not whole or you're not working on yourself then just having that other person isn't actually going to make you
0: better right like to me right. it's one plus one equals three mm-hmm. i agree i agree with that um you know i heard someone once say that the best time to work on your marriage. Is before you get married, right? So you're stepping into something that is, I mean, you can't replace the experience, you can't replace the actual feeling. But what I'm gathering is that you know it might have taken whatever it was, five or six years for you guys for the for the timing and the stars to perfectly align. And Sean, you even mentioned that the timing was good enough but not perfect for you, right? Like you just got out of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Lindsay comes back. You guys have dinner at Charlie Bird, right? Which we'll get into in a little bit. I don't. That's a little preview. Yeah, I mean, but. I think it's a combination of somebody who's you know, so great coming into your life and the timing of it as well that makes you wanna choose them, right? Cause if it was, I guarantee if it was any other girl that Sean went to dinner with, he probably would not have chosen them. But because it was Lindsay, because Lindsay brought something special and unique. And because during that six years, she had been working on herself, she was the same person, but she was a different mm-hmm. person too. So Sean, I appreciate you saying uh, that. I, I wanna continue to articulate
2: what you said, cause it's so powerful, but it's a like, this is a choice, right? And, and you said, if it, I was at dinner with someone else, like I may not have chosen them. Like yeah. It'd be easy for me to sit here and say, yeah, maybe not. But like, this isn't a fairy tale, dog, right? Like we happened to go to dinner. I reached out to her just like in passing, right? I was coming home from a wedding, reached out to her, couple of things played out, happy to tell the, the full version of that too. But it was at dinner where Lindsay said something that really kind of turned the tables but like I didn't choose her in that moment, right? Like she's the one who really flipped the script and it was only after her continuing to be open which she hadn't done to the level she had been, which again goes back to just that notion of being authentic because you get to choose whether or not you're gonna show up as yourself. The problem is we try to control the image we wanna to portray to other people hoping that they choose that image, but if you're not choosing to be yourself, then I don't know if you ever really get that other person because even if you have them, quote unquote, in the way you think you got them, sooner or later when you show who you are, it may crack. Whereas for me, you know, how many girls have I taken to Pasquale Jones? How many girls have I taken to Charlie Bird? And they're like, oh, Sean took me there, he's this. And it's like, no, because I'm not pretending, right? I'm not taking girls to a bunch of different restaurants that seem like the man. I'm gonna go where I wanna go because going back to the function of being dynamic, if we can vibe on something together that I'm going to do regardless of you, then when you enter kind of my world and I enter your world, there are things that are making us better versions of ourselves, not projections of what we want to be to prove to the other person that like we're worthy, et cetera.
0: Lenz, any, any comments on that?
1: Yeah. I, I wanted to comment on what you said about the best way to prepare for a marriage is, done before the actual marriage and obviously I have not been married so I I can't speak from experience within a marriage but even just experiencing the last you know less than a week moving in with Sean like I've done a lot of work on myself Mm -hmm. and it continues and is a whole other level of work when you are putting it into practice with someone you love. Like, you know, it does not stop. Like you don't get married after doing a bunch of work and it's perfect. Like, and I've been talking about this with my, I do a program called sacredness of being single. And we were talking about Mm. perfection and just how, especially for women, you know, I think in, you know, all due respect, like this patriarchal society where like, there are these expectations on all of us, actually, to be perfect. You know, I'm sure, Sean, you have experienced this within your job and finance over the years. And I'm sure you've experienced it too, Parker. And I've experienced Mm -hmm. it as like a woman. And, you know, going into moving in with like the love of my life, I'm like, this is going to be perfect. know, I don't think I said that out loud, but I think I had a slice of me that was like, oh my God, my dreams are coming true, which they are. And dreams aren't always like just pristine and like exactly how you imagine them to be. I -hmm. think we dream the perfect scenario to either protect ourselves to avoid perhaps what is actually real and true and needing to be tended to. But what I'm realizing now within the context of us moving in together and just like building our relationship is like, it's not perfect and that's perfect, that my imperfections are some of what Sean loves the most and that Mm -hmm. we get to grow through these things together. You know, sometimes I feel so alone in like doing some of this work on myself. I'm like, oh my God, like, ugh. but I realized like I have a partner who is willing to support me through it and me, him. So I Mm -hmm. just wanted to like clarify that because I I think it continues, you know, yes, of course, before marriage, but you
0: have to
1: practice it within marriage or a relationship.
0: Yeah. I think that's probably a big, something that's misconstrued. (laughs) I would say in our culture, at least that I'm used to, is that, you know, marriage is the final destination. But in reality, marriage is day one of a regular season that mm-hmm. never ends,
1: mm-hmm. you know?
0: And um, you're always practicing to your point, Lindsay, you're working on yourself. But I think one of the joys of marriage or just being in a relationship, having a partnership is that to your point, Lindsay, is that you are working on yourself, um, but you're not alone. So you have somebody who accepts you for who you are, but loves you enough not to let you stay where you are because they see that potential in you and they see the angel, the the beauty in you. And they're like, there's so much more that she can do, but I still love her here and now. Mm-hmm. And I would guess that that is, you know, obviously something that, you know, you, we share in each other's burdens in that sense. And that just that goes for friendship, that goes for romantic relationships. And Sean, I also what, like bounce back to what you said, Sean, about being yourself. You know, I'm sure you two have experienced this. I've experienced this a lot. But when you're not yourself and you're trying to impress, it is so anxiety ridden and unsustainable that even if someone did buy your act and said like, "I like the facade of Parker or Lindsay or Sean," there's no way you could even keep that up. You know, just Sean Dearborn. I'm sure you would agree. And maybe you can comment. Is that you might as well start with yourself from day one because it's going to manifest in some ways, and that true, I mean, that's the version God made you, and, and that's the beautiful version of who you are. Yeah, I mean, we've
2: talked about this ad nauseum, right? But <laughs> it's just that underlying, whether it's faith, belief, uh, whatever word you want to use, but it's just this, this pendulum, right? If you think about it in business, you think about it in relationships, you think about whatever you want, whatever context, like if you remain true to yourself, and it doesn't mean that you don't change your mind or anything, if you remain true to yourself, At some point, the pendulum's going to swing your way. Going back to the Kronos and Kairos, it's when the pendulum does swing your way, will you then have the conviction to go with it as opposed to question it? And for me, again, like, you know how many girls are like, oh, he's too direct, he's too intense. And the flip side of that, you know how many girls thought I really liked them and I didn't really like them because they thought that I was asking real questions and they're used to guys who are drunk and just trying to take them home And so me being who I am, they're like, oh, he must really like me. And I'm like, nah, baby girl, like this is just who I am. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's about communication, but I do think so many of us, you know, have up this facade and it's the society, right? Like we live in an Instagram culture. We wanna come off like we're perfect and our shit doesn't stink and nothing is wrong. And I got it, like, I know I'm broken. Part of what I love about Lindsay is she's broken and she's not running from it right? If anything, we're running to it together, but most people aren't comfortable enough with themselves to say that and acknowledge that. And so it makes it that much more difficult in my experience in relationships, because if you can't even show your quote unquote real self to the person you're with, then I I don't know. Like I I really, I really struggle with that.
0: Yeah. Can't help you there. Um, but yeah, that's, that's well said. And Sean's, Date and one questions are usually most guys like date 15 questions. So
1: <laughs> mm, that's true.
0: Um, all right. So, anyways, so you guys meet, um, you met at a sports bar, which to say Sean and I used to go there often back in the day is probably an understatement. <laughs> you guys obviously move on from that. You're seeing each other. We have that uh, one fateful family Christmas dinner, which with James. What year was that? That That's 2013. Christmas of 2013. The first family dinner. That was the birth of you two. And that was the birth of Lakot, all in one night. That's crazy. Jimbo, we miss you, man. We love you. So anyway, so then Lindsay, you moved to LA. Sean stays in New York and there's, I think, a five, six year hiatus between when you moved and then when you came back in late 2019, right? When you visited New York and saw Sean again. But obviously you guys kept in touch. And I remember Lindsay seeing you at Bungalow one time when we were in LA.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Love Bungalow. (laughs) I I hope it's still open. (laughs) Um, So do you want to just briefly guys talk about like that interim period before you guys met again at Charlie Bird in 2019?
1: Yeah. So before I left for LA, you know, Sean describes it as us having fits and starts, which is very true. And from my, my vantage point, I was so unsure, you know, as I said before, like, Sean being as direct and grounded and seeing me in the way that he was, I was like, Ooh, this is making <laughs> me feel the kind of way. And it just felt like a lot. And I couldn't handle it. I, at the time, was mainly attracted to people who would confirm how I felt about myself. It was like that subconscious belief that I'm not worthy, that, you know, fill in the blank. And I was attracting those types of people who didn't have time for me, who didn't prioritize me, who, uh, yeah, just didn't feel comfortable when I shined. And so long story short, yes, I moved to LA. I uh, have a job that that brings me there. I an incredible life in LA and build a business. And it's a really beautiful season of my life. But during that time, I'm single. Uh, I date on and off. Well, you know, you're on the apps and you date people for a few months here and there. And yeah, but I was single for a majority of the time. And, you know, my program and episode and all these things that I've done around the sacredness of being single is, I know it sounds a little cheesy because I say it a lot, but it's it's really true. Like I really found the sacredness in this season of just walking back to myself. I think in dating in my 20s, I really walked very far from who I am in order to be liked, or received or accepted by other people in the dating realm. And no wonder I wasn't attracting people who were right for me, because I was just like, so far from who I was, I was like, it was like, a total mess. And so you know the the contrast to the experience of Sean or of us 8 years ago to now is just so beautiful to me because it really one one thing that stands out is just how much i've come back to myself mm-hmm. and how being with Sean just does feel like home and the fact that i am with someone who loves me respects me sees me supports me um, challenges me and it's a true partner and I'm, I am receiving it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) I have grown so much and I'm so thankful because, um, this is like such a big part of what life is about to be in Mm -hmm. partnership like this. So um, I just feel really, really grateful. I'll let, I'll let Sean fill in kind of our reconnection.
0: Yeah. Sean, what was that five to six years? Like without Lindsay, but it really wasn't without Lindsay. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, layout, let's, yeah Sean, was, let's talk
1: I was single during that time and my love. Yeah, I was
0: single too. I was very single. You were
1: back to back to back to back to back <laughs> to back to back, to back to
0: like Chef Curry back to back. Uh,
1: <laughs> but mm-hmm.
0: no, I was uh oh sorry to go. I was gonna say that you're a good networker on and off the court.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man.
2: No, it's crazy because those five to six years, like I had, you know, I had done a lot of things. Um, I, I traveled a bunch, I had a bunch of different people I dated and then a couple of serious relationships, right? Like, and it's funny because the the two women I dated prior to Lindsay, I wanted to marry right? Like it wasn't me saying, oh, I'm just going to do this kind of like flimsy and see what happens. And I just think even that speaks to the progression and it keeps going back to what I said about like, this is a choice. And I feel so fortunate to now be in a situation where if you would have asked me whatever, three years ago, if I thought I'd be here right now, it's no. And that's why when we talk about like this fairy tale of oh, like love at first sight and all these things. It's like, no, we both had to go through a lot of stuff. But often when I would go to LA, like I would see Linz and obviously it was very platonic, but there was still a connection. And I think prior to us seeing each other in October of that year, was it July of that year I saw you, babe? Or was it July of the previous year when a bunch of people came to me at a bar in LA when I happened to be in LA for work and Linz was there, like saw her with whatever 15 other people I didn't think anything of it. And then prior to that, I think I hadn't seen her in a long time, like long for me, it was a year, year and a half. But it's crazy because it was March, maybe it was March, 2019, but Lynn's had responded to an MML. And I don't remember what she said, but I didn't think anything of it, which is crazy because in the past, anytime she would have sent me something, you know, my heart would have skipped the bead or I would have felt some type of way. And she sent this email. I, I kept it very, you know, cool, casual, whatever, sent it back. So that was in March, didn't think anything of it. Saw her in July in LA, didn't think anything of it. it, was with a bunch of people. And then when I was leaving the wedding, um, after I'd broken up with my ex-girlfriend and I went to a wedding, I was literally driving home and your boy was creeping, right? Like I, w- I was back out. And I literally happened to see that lindsay's is in New York on Instagram, to this day, I still don't follow her on Instagram, by the way, uh, public profile. So saw that she was in New York on her world tour and I shot her a text and I was like, hey, sorry I missed you, Um, you know, sorry I missed you, hope the show is going great, hope things are thriving, whatever. She goes, I'm actually gonna be here for the rest of the week. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, what? Like, this is amazing. And I was like, can we, like, can I see you? And she's like, yeah, and I don't remember, this must have been Sunday, I think, like early Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. She's like, yeah, let's grab lunch on Sunday or Monday. I'm thinking to myself, like, lunch? what's this girl talking about? And... and do, you, do you remember <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I But I was honest, right? And I was like, I honestly can't do lunch because I got work to do on Sunday. Like I'm going to be in the office. And then Monday, I took Friday off. I can't be off the desk. So it can't happen. Is there any other times? And she was like, yeah, how about we grab drinks or early dinner on Wednesday or Thursday? And now I'm thinking to myself, like, game on. Because she's leaving Friday. So obviously, I chose Thursday, which... You know, truth be told, I did have the client thing on Wednesday, but it's crazy, and this is what I mean about like the world and serendipity and all these things. Because we had dinner at Charlie Bird at six p.m., six or six thirty, I think it was six p.m. And mm-hmm. I got home right before, checked my email, and I had an email from a professor at a business school that I had applied to, and this guy had like crushed me, like crushed me when we met live. He crushed me months before. He just really upended a lot of things, which to your point earlier about Lindsay holding up a mirror to you, like what this guy had said to me was very direct truths, which I needed to hear. And he held a mirror up to myself or forced me to hold a mirror up to myself. And Mm -hmm. the email read, uh, huh? The subject line, huh? Question mark. And the body of the email read, Sean, king of the follow-up and thank you notes, still haven't heard from you. Was our lunch that bad? Um, wow! I was tired. Wow. Like I, I wanted to pick my computer up and throw it across <laughs> the room, but I had to go to dinner. So I walk into dinner. Lindsay, like, black skirt on, like girl was mm. looking bad. Mm, and, I can imagine. And I sit <laughs> down, but I immediately launch into this diatribe about this story about this gentleman and why it was so hot. But it was through that story that I inadvertently, or maybe directly I wasn't thinking about it, but articulated that I was single. Because prior to that, and thinking back, like when I said, can I see you? She probably thought I still had a girlfriend, whatever, and that's probably why she said lunch. But then it was about whatever, a little way through the dinner where we're talking, and Lynn said to me, you know, a lot of the times when we're talking about what we want in a partner, I feel like we're talking about one another. And then that was the moment, right? That wasn't the moment that we were going to be together, but that was a moment where Lindsay turned the tables because I had been chasing women my whole life, right? Growing up with a single mom, not really close to my dad. It was a situation where I thought that having someone next to me or a woman would like complete me. And it wasn't always that aggressive, but I had for so long been like chasing women as opposed to letting a situation either play out or trusting in myself enough to kind of let things go the way they're supposed to go. And this was a scenario where, again, Linz opened Pandora's box by saying that, and Mm -hmm. he was very open and transparent with me, allowed me time to kind of figure things out on my own, and the rest is history.
0: So a couple comments, but Linz, Mm -hmm. so when Sean told me that you dropped that line on him, first of all, I know it wasn't a line. It was very true to you. But second of all, I was like, wow, she just s dotted s dot. She just <laughs> ran. <laughs> she just gave Sean a line That's of his true. own playbook. It's true. And um, I love that because it felt like it was real and authentic and direct and it was genuine. And, you know, my dad has said about Sean to me before that Sean needs to find his equal. And there's nothing, you know, to take away from. Girls he's been with in the past, you know, it's just it's not good or bad. It's just different. But Sean needed to find his equal, and I think that little microcosm event was was a stark portrayal of that. So, Lindsay, can you just talk about what you like your perspective of that dinner?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. Um, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, like Sean said, I, for all I knew, he was still um, in a relationship did I wear a mini skirt? Yes. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was feeling myself. I'm like, you know what? Like, you know, I, I know that anytime I see Sean, I feel a type of way. And like, I was really excited to see him and whether it was just friends or more, you know, either way was totally fine with me, but I showed up to the dinner Uh, last night in New York, excited to see this person that I've known for just ever and wanting to catch up. And so I was there first, he walks in a little late. And I just felt the type of way that I've always felt when I saw Sean, like my heart just like beats really, really loudly. Like I'm just like, whoa, like I just feel it in my heart. And I just got like giddy and excited. And I was excited to just like catch up on life. You know, we had not done that in quite some time. And earlier that day, I have, you know, I have a relationship with my guides and angels. And I heard uh, he has to tell you something. Like, okay, that's interesting. And so when over dinner, he told me that he had um, you know, ended his previous relationship. I was like, oh, okay. That's what he needed to tell me. And then shortly after that, <laughs> it was clear as day. They're like, you're gonna kiss him tonight. And I was like, oh what? Okay. Like I'm down, you know, I'm wearing the skirt. Um <laughs> but, you know, I just it's funny, but it's it's true. Like I just felt this openness that I had never felt before. Um, especially with with Sean, and it just felt so good. I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm allowing myself to feel how I really feel and I'm allowing my heart to be open and I'm letting mm-hmm. someone in and I'm yeah I'm just I'm not overthinking it I'm not you know overextending myself I'm just being me and I'm receiving who he really is too and it just felt like electric and so when I said that to him when I said that like you know oftentimes we talk about what we want in a partner and I feel like we're talking about the other it was like I I didn't know who said that I was like oh like I knew it was me but I was like where did that come (laughs) from it was so clear you know it was like I was channeling some like a part of me like my higher self or something I was like whoa like that is so true and that is so clear and um I knew like it just broke something like it just sliced through any residue that I had like left and created over the years with Sean of like going back and forth and not being real with him. And it just sliced right through it. And in Mm -hmm. that moment, I didn't know that he and I would like build a life together, but I was like, okay, I'm in this. Like I, I had no idea that he was not down to like date and he was like not really looking to date someone. But I was so clear. I didn't even care. I was like, I'm so clear. If you need time, take it. I don't, that's fine. Like I respect it, but like this is real and this is happening. So just like keep me posted. (laughs) (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah. No, it's it's an amazing, you know, it in Green Lights, which I know Sean read. I don't know if you have you read it, Lindsay? Green lights? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to. It's good. Yeah. Probably shouldn't read Sean's copy because I'm sure it's annotated like crazy. crazy. But, you know, Matthew McConaughey talks about Sean, you remember this when he talks about being the target and the arrow, and that sometimes, you know, throughout his life, he's felt like the arrow, you know, constantly pursuing, chasing, targeting, going after somebody. Um, But he said, sometimes it's good to just be the target. And it sounds like in the first dinner you had when you were 25 with Sean, that maybe you were trying to be more like the arrow, like impress or whatever. Maybe you had Well, I don't know whatever it may be, just wasn't truly authentically you. You I'm sure it was to some extent, but not uh, through and through. And then fast forward when you had dinner 2019, you were more of the target, just allowing things come to you and having confidence that if you're your true Mm -hmm. self, it's a win-win. No matter if Sean ends up with you or not, you go down swinging if you just are genuine and true to yourself. Exactly. It sounds like you were. Sean, would you say you're more of a target or an arrow? You can be both, too. I guess. Yeah, I think it depends on the season of my life.
2: Like as I was hearing you describe that, I was thinking of my boy Sev, you know, shout out to my to my man, Sev. But we would always joke back in the day about basketball, right? And that whole notion of shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot. And there's an element of just reps and muscle memory. And you want to do that. And In this analogy, I feel like that's the arrow, right? Like you're the person kind of pointing arrows out and shooting arrows out and hoping that it hits a target. And I think as I've matured, I've become the target in that, Like, I know who I am, right? I'm comfortable in my brokenness. I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable not knowing things. I'm comfortable talking about certain things, which quick tangent. But when Lynn said that I was vulnerable early, something I learned in the last, whatever, six months that Mm -hmm. rocked me, but it's the notion of open but not vulnerable. And I actually don't think I'm that vulnerable of a person. I just think I'm a lot more open than most people. And that's... Still, only tip of the iceberg because most people don't even want to have the level of conversation I want to have. So, what other people perceive as vulnerability for me is me just being open, right? Because people aren't asking me really difficult questions, whether it's about my family, about trauma that I've had when I was younger, about certain things in different relationships, right? Like people don't even go to that level, but because I'm able to articulate my feelings, like, "Whoa, this dude's really vulnerable." I'm like, "Nah." So that's a tangent, but I say that because. As I started this whole talk, right, in terms of not being able to get into the bar and then figuring out a way to get in is similar to not being able to get Lindsay and figuring out a way to get her to playing football in college and getting benched my senior year to failing series tests when I first started in finance and now hopefully being on a much steeper trajectory. Like there's so many things where because people don't either face the adversity or talk about it like if you're not able to talk about it then there's probably not going to be a chance for you to get over it and for me like i failed at every step of the way but people only see we're on that now or the end goal and discount all the work that it took to get here and i haven't forgotten the work and you know i, I said it last night but another thing that really at least for me kind of cemented our relationship was this past december where in previous relationships I was the one always traveling to see, you know, my girlfriend and their family kind of at the expense of my own family. And Lynn has been someone who's really encouraged me to spend more time with my family. And she came with me to Christmas Eve dinner this year, and it was a very uncomfortable situation where my brother essentially approached me and it led to me feeling super uncomfortable in the moment, but I remember walking out of the house and the difference was I wasn't embarrassed mm. in relationships and past times I felt embarrassed mm. because as we talked about someone like really seeing me. It's easy to see Sean who lives and works in the city and works in finance, but not necessarily see or talk about Sean who comes from a quote unquote broken home with a single mom, et cetera. And so for Linz to see that, because that's not something I can concoct, right? That was a situation that I had no control over other than how I responded to the situation as it presented itself. And for us to be driving back into the city, I think it just, it forced us to have a conversation that I don't know, as we joked about earlier, even 15 dates in, if that's something that naturally comes up, right? Because until you experience it, it's not something you would necessarily talk about. And so I say all that because, yeah, man, there's so much of where I'm at now is, as you alluded to earlier, not to say I have it all figured out, it's that I'm comfortable being broken with another person and knowing that again we're choosing to do this.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that was something Sean, I remember that you you told me about actually five months ago or whenever it occurred. and I remember thinking to myself, you know how special Lindsay is and how loyal and how just ride or die faithful, and also just non-judgmental, you know, in a sense that you know Lindsay not only, I mean, there's one thing about being vulnerable, right, Sean, like, but there's also like the person you're with has to receive that vulnerability. And you could have been open, but Lindsay was right there to create space for you to be open and say, it's okay. And say, you know, like, let's talk about it. And um I remember Sean, when you told me that story, I was like, wow, that that is exactly the kind of woman that you need. And, you know, someone that's going to be with you through thick and thin. You know, it's funny, because I felt I I was sad for you, but I was also happy that Lindsay was there. You know, I was really happy to hear that. So that that was beautiful. Mm -hmm. So that um, Lindsay, any, did you, did you want to jump in on that or?
1: I mean, I would just add, and Sean reminds me of this, like families are, family is tough, you know, like no family is perfect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I've just found a lot of comfort in, sean really walking that talk and just being like listen like i don't expect your family to be perfect i don't expect my family to be perfect like and Mm -hmm. i'm not judging that you know and i don't judge his and and it helps me to find kind of the beauty in you know both of our family dynamics like i i think Mm -hmm. it would be hard for me to see my family dynamic if sean was like super critical of it and just really resistant to understanding it. But mm-hmm. he's not. It, it also helps me to accept it and really find more compassion for it. So,
0: mm-hmm. Agreed. So that's a good segue from Christmas 2019 to 2020. So 2020 was obviously a year to go down in, in the record books. Mm-hmm. Villanova was going to play in the Big East, but that got canceled and that was the beginning of the end. Um <laughs> But obviously, more importantly, you know, we had a pandemic hit, which impacted our country like crazy. And then we had another disease hit, which has been here for a while. But obviously, there's a lot of social injustice and a lot of movements around that. Sean and Lindsay are a biracial couple. And that was obviously something that I know you guys talked a lot about. So do you guys want to each Sean, we can start with you, but you want to comment just on 2020 in general and, you know, the pandemic. I know you went out to LA for a little bit. George Floyd, among others, being murdered. And, you know, the effect that that had um, on you, on the country, on your relationship with Lindsay. Do you want to just, floor is yours, but do you want to comment on 2020 with you, too? Are you starting with me because I'm black? <laughs> no, I'm starting with you because you're more sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, no, man, look, I, I think Last year was a really, really difficult year for a litany of reasons for a lot of people. Um, so I, I think you'd have a whole another podcast episode on all the trauma, stress, et cetera that I went through, whether it was with you know personal existential crisis or situations at work. But I think for the sake of this episode, lynns for me and lynns like, it was another defining moment in that. I remember having the conversation with her in April where, again, I was a sales trader and I didn't know what the work from home situation was going to look like. But once I realized that I would be working from home, I was like, yo, babe, i got this spot in New York. Like, you want to come out? She was like, nah, I'm not getting on a plane until other people are traveling. I was like, wait, what? I'm like, I don't want to be on a plane when other people are traveling. So I then got on a plane and flew out to LA and I flew out in the beginning of May 2020. The end of the first week I was there, I had a potential career altering error, which ended up not being as nearly as bad as it could have been. But again, it was one of those moments where if the ball went a different way, things wouldn't be looking the way they are now. But I also say that because, you know, remembering that vividly when immediately the questions would have been, should he have gone to LA? Should he be working from home? Should he be doing all these things? Whereas we have that behind us, George Floyd was murdered May 25th of last year, and that was a Monday, Memorial Day. I had taken off the Tuesday, Wednesday, and I was getting back. I was about to go to bed on that Wednesday night, and one of my coworkers at the time, little brother mentees, called me, and he was crying, and he said that he had spoken to his sister, and she had called him crying, and he felt bad because he didn't have answers for her about why George Floyd was murdered, what the go-forward is going to look like, et cetera. And I just remember talking to him being like, oh, if he feels that way and I feel this way, there has to be other people at work who are feeling some type of way about this. And I had this struggle of, you know, if I have this proximity to power, I got to say something. And so I said something at work. Linz and I kind of talked about it. But there were moments between... George Floyd being murdered in addition to Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, Ray Shark Brooks, you know, say their names, et cetera, where I didn't want to talk to Lindsay because she was white. And if we were still doing the long distance thing, I don't know that we'd be here right now because you can't say that to someone, right? And when she's calling me and I'm not answering and then in the story she's telling herself is, he doesn't want to talk, he's mad, he's all these things. And it was none of that. It was, I needed to feel the feelings myself and really understand, like I was enraged. Like I was mad, I was scared, I was nervous. And again, we didn't even talk about Amy Cooper because that one hit me more than, you know, George Floyd, as bad as that sounds. But I look back on that and say, again, I don't wish what happened to George Floyd happened. I don't wish the gold pandemic on anyone. But so much of life is not what happens to you, it's how you respond to it. And I think being there in LA with Lindsay was critical to our relationship because it allowed us to really build a foundation. And going back to even what I said about you know, my brother, you can't simulate adversity, right? And that's why when we do all this self-work and you can talk to a therapist and you can journal in your book and you can have incredible self-talk, but it's like the Mike Tyson quote, right? Everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. And to be able to go through that with her, mm-hmm. I think it inherently stripped away facades because we were forced to have conversations that I don't know that either of us like, wanted to have or were ready to have, but you know, my mom was nervous. She's like, are you okay in LA dating a white woman as all these things are happening? And another quick story, but we were getting ready for bed one night and I heard a loud thud in, you know, in Lindsay's studio. She was like, babe, we got to go to the hospital. And she comes out of the room crying. And she was holding her eye. And again, another blessing in disguise because had it been one millimeter in the opposite direction, like that may have been her, you know, people coming out, or her eyeball coming out. Oh. Um, but it wasn't. And she was like, we got to go to the hospital. We got to go to the hospital. And, you know, I've told this story before, but my first thought was like, we ain't going to the hospital. And like, are, are you okay? Like, do we need to go to the hospital? And my one eighth thought was like, we can't go to the hospital because white woman with a black eye getting taken to the hospital by a black guy that has a lot of you know stuff and i don't think that she thought of, i know she didn't think about that right we talked about it after and that's what i would consider white privilege but i don't blame her for that i don't blame her for not thinking about going to the hospital but there are, there are little things like that which are countless growing up as a black man in a predominantly, or going to predominantly white schools and now being in an arena that is predominantly white where like I have some of my close friends who don't consider me black, like that's kind of fucked up. But at the end of the day, it's like my job isn't going back to the shoot to get hot, shoot to stay hot versus letting the game come to me. I am not out to quote unquote prove that all black people are good. I also don't feel like I carry the black man's burden. I've said it before, but black people aren't monolithic, just like white people aren't, just like other people aren't. And the best I can do is to, as we've said, like be authentic. Because if I am the only version of a black person that some of these people I cross paths with will see, then hopefully I am enough to at least open the aperture in their minds to want to build a relationship with someone who doesn't look like them.
0: Yeah, that was powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I. I think God brought you two together during that perfect time. Um, because that's a foundation that, you know, is is special and unique, um especially for you two. So Lindsay, do you wanna say anything to that as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I agree with you, Parker, and in, in the sense that I do believe that, you know, God was working and allowed us to be together for those three months and during that time, um, you know, I will never understand sean's experience as a black man and i think where i was really tripping during those few months especially in the wake of george floyd's murder was wanting so badly to fix it to stop his pain to make it better um and also in the process of wanting to do that was projecting my own discomfort onto him and feeling as though I was doing something wrong to make it worse. And I just remember so vividly, like I was crying, kind of feeling that just like helplessness. And he was like, babe, this is not about you. And I was like, oh my God. You know, like it just fucking woke me up. Um, or, you know, began to wake me up to, you know, my own blind spots and my own just, hmm, I don't even know what to call it. I just, I have a propensity to want to help. And I know that sounds like nice and it is, but it's like it wasn't helping. And it, and it was guised in me trying to feel better in a situation that wasn't about me. You know what I mean? So there was just so much um, learning individually and just like as a couple during that time. And obviously individually on my end of, you know, I've never dated a black man before, you know, I've never had to have these conversations. And again, to Sean's point, that is my, my privilege. And I also feel, you know, I feel really grateful that we are able to, that that time was so difficult, but that, that opened the door to so many conversations, questions, and just like heart talk. And I, I know it will continue. I mean, in every season of our lives. And I also just learned again to that perfection piece, like I'm going to be perfect and that's okay. You know, I think I was so concerned for so long and I'm sure I'll have like drips of that. in the future of just wanting it wanting to say the right thing and not that's not what Sean needs that's not what anyone needs and so that was a big learning for me as well because what am I not going to say something or ask a question or engage in conversation because I'm afraid to say the wrong thing like even Mm -hmm. if my heart's in the right place like no like I am Mm -hmm. I'm that is from my perspective, potentially more harmful, or not more harmful, but just as harmful. It's like, so yeah, always learning. And and I just feel really lucky to, you know, be able to learn and grow together. And Yeah. yeah, it was a formative time.
0: It definitely sounds like it. And, you know, it sounds like what I'm hearing is that obviously communication is super important in any relationship, but it sounds like in those moments of crisis, that it's even more imperative. And I definitely believe everyone has a love language, done the test, haven't read the book. Um, But in that instance, you can't put a love language or a formula or something around it. You know, and Lindsay, I know that you're a very, very sweet woman and you have a propensity to help. Um, I know that's your heart and you especially have a propensity to help Sean specifically because you love him. And in that moment, I'm sure you learn the importance of not just trying to do and fix according to Lindsay, but according to sean and like asking him first like sean do you need me to leave for five hours or do you need me to hold you for five mm-hmm. hours Can, do you want to talk or do you want me to sit with you in silence you know should we go out or sh-? you know it's it's one of those things where it's more about i guess correct me if i'm wrong but asking what the person needs first rather than just assuming that there's a formula that's going to work for them that's always worked in the past
1: yeah i would definitely say that and also you know, not trying to like, not trying too hard to be what they need in the moment because maybe, maybe Sean doesn't know what he needs in the moment. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. what I was coming up against was kind of my need to do something. Yeah. So, even asking, yes, if, like I completely agree with you to ask and have a conversation. And mm-hmm. also, you know, it was really important that I not push and impose because I felt like I, would feel better if I was doing something, you know, you know, there was many a day or night when we would just like, we wouldn't talk and we would just like lay together and fall asleep together. And not to say that that solves anything, but that was kind of what we were like feeling was needed.
0: That makes sense. And real quick, you know, this can be a short answer for the both of you, but Sean, was there something that you learned about Lindsay last year that you didn't know before 2020?
2: That was a lot. Um, I think something that I I didn't quite know, or I knew, but I didn't know the depths of it, and 2020 illuminated it more. Was just how much she does care, right? And I've said it before: any like any good thing taken to an extreme becomes bad, and vice versa. And I say that because For as much as she just articulated how she always wants to help and wants to be there, yeah, at times that can be a little overbearing or not necessarily what I want. But I think the depths of it are one example of me seeing it and not even more importantly, me feeling it or me experiencing it is when I tell you the amount of people who reached out to me after George Floyd was murdered to quote unquote check in who I haven't heard from since. It's like, did those people really care about me? Was that just a moment in time? or going back to some of what Lindsay was um, insinuating, it's, you know, I think white fragility may be a little too aggressive, but there's an element of like, what can I signal to show that I care, but not actually care, right? And I think at the end of the day, that's when it becomes worse because I don't want your signaling. I don't want you to feel guilt or shame for being white and then reach out to me, but then we don't actually have a relationship, right? It's, are you actually trying to build a relationship? And I say that, and it's a long winded way of saying, It was late last year when I, and I've written about this, but when I was going to invest in a rolling fund, a rolling fund being a vehicle in which you make investments in or make deposits in every quarter, as opposed to just when the capital is called or all up front. Yeah. And it was a pretty well-known person who was doing this, was going to invest in primarily tech-enabled companies, et cetera. And I remember talking to Lindsay, as I've done with a lot of people in the past when I care about them, and it's money involved. I'm like, hey, babe, what are your thoughts on this? Like, what should you do? Are you cool with me making this investment? Just where's your brain at? And as you mentioned about you know, my equal or my partner or whatever title you want to ascribe to it, but the first thing Lindsay said to me was, will you get to determine how many black founders you get to invest in? Dog, mind blown. mind mind blown, because that wasn't even a consideration in my calculus. And so that was a moment where I'm like, yo, she gets it, and she sees me. Because to me, that wasn't her asking me that, because she wanted to signal that she was down, right? This wasn't Lindsay trying to be like, yo, I'm woke. It was, no, I see you, Sean, I know what you care about, and I'm helping you see your blind spots, because you came to me with one thing, and I'm trying to help you pick up on something that you may have missed, because I'm like, whoa, that is so right. And so not only did I not invest in that rolling fund, but I took that money and I'm now building something with people who look like me for things we care about. But more importantly, for something I care about a lot, which is the MML, I went and found you know, two women who, if it wasn't two Black women who are in college were helping me edit, which allows us to have a pretty symbiotic relationship. But had it not been for Lindsay checking me and asking me that question, I don't know that the relationships that followed would have happened. And again, that's not a story I run around and tell people because I'm not trying to signal to people that, you know, Lindsay's super woke, right? This is our relationship, but that's an example of iron sharpening
0: iron and
2: her making me hopefully a better version of myself.
0: Yeah. You know, I remember you telling me that as well, Sean. And Lindsay, I think that goes back to just a year of learning for you and, and understanding what, what's important to Sean and Sean. I'm sure somebody who's in finance, you know, you can kind of get your head wrapped up in other things. And Lindsay was taking telling you, hey, take a step back and let's focus on what's important first. Right. What is the impact of this? Who is it going to hit? Who, you know, who will it make a difference for? And then we can worry about the other stuff later, uh, which is the real purpose of, of money and investing at the end of the day. So, yeah, I remember you telling me that and, you know, I thought that was awesome. So you guys have now moved in together. Um, so it's a new chapter out in Brooklyn. Very few people, Lindsay, could get Sean to move out to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> he might he might yeah, still have a one bedroom somewhere in the know. West Village. You might want to
1: babe <laughs> <laughs> like but like just on that, like how are you feeling in, in Brooklyn, babe?
2: I feel good. I mean th- this is all so new to me. Right. And, and it feels good. It's terrifying. It's uncomfortable. It's fun. It's all the feels. And I say that because, Margaret, you know my mom and she's my best friend. But one of the things I often say is like, she can't teach me how to be a man. And mm-hmm. for as amazing as she is, she was never married. And so she's never lived with a man. And so for me to move in with you, babe, this is like uncharted territory. And so for as much as I could think I have the answers or I could have concocted some dream in my head, like you can't simulate adversity. So here we are a couple of days in and I mean, you know, baby girl, this hasn't been easy uh, and a, and a lot, for a lot of reasons. Um, I, mean,
0: I mean, Lindsay's in a robe right now because she obviously needs some, some R&R. <laughs> oh,
2: um, but now we're going through it together. And as our place yeah. know, gets put together, it is also cool to see someone who is willing to step up. And even when we do butt heads because she wants something a certain way that I don't like it's it's very clear that there are now two people, and it's cool. It's really cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, learning to compromise. I'm sure, Lindsay. I know it's been only I think about a week or ten days, but give me your give me your thoughts on moving to New York and you know expectations, feelings, you know wherever you want to take it.
1: Yeah, um, my decision to move to New York and start start building with Sean was so clear to me. Um, just like when you know, that night that we had dinner at Charlie bird, like it was just so clear to me. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not really used to that clear feeling and following it. So it's pretty exhilarating. It, it hasn't been easy, but in the best ways. And I say that because the parts that have not been easy have been like super highways to growth for me. So whether it's having hard conversations with Krista, my business partner and one of my best friends, you know, about this move, about, you know, like changing the, the way we operate in business and starting this chapter of my life and figuring it out, you know, with the, with the pod to, you know, having conversations with my family and and understanding how they feel about me moving to be with someone I love Granted, they're happy for me, but from their own experiences and making, you know, decisions based on relationships, they were a little wary. But Mm -hmm. what I've come back to time and time again and just remind myself is that I know, you know, no one is living my life and I am committed to trusting myself. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be right and it's always going to be easy, but you know, I love this feeling of just like following my heart in that way. And, you know, yes, I had like these, this perfection, this expectation of like, we're moving in together. It's going to be so fun. We're going to decorate the apartment. I.e. I'm going to decorate the apartment, you know, like all these things. were And yeah, I mean, we're, two people are moving in together. And I, you know, I appreciate that he cares about certain things, doesn't care about other things. I care about certain things, don't care about other things. But damn, it is not easy, you know, to be confronted in that way. And it's been really good growth. Like, I just feel every single day that I'm growing (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I'm becoming more aware of just parts of me and parts of him. And it's, it's really cool, you know, and what's healing for me is that, Mm -hmm. you know, the hard moments with Sean, the bad days, whatever you want to call them don't mean the end of the relationship. Don't mean that it's like, our relationship is bad and it's healing for me because I'm able to experience the resolution, the healthy conversations. Uh, and yeah, I've just, I, I always dreamed of experiencing that and here I am. So I'm really looking forward to to living here in Brooklyn. We, we honestly, truly are blessed in where we are and just like being able to create this space together. So
0: yeah, it's amazing. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see all the pictures of you, Lindsay, that you have put up. All don't over the don't apartment. expect
1: it, just so you know. Oh, all over the apartment. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to say social media. I was like, don't expect <laughs> yeah.
0: it. Um, but yeah, that it that sounds like it's pretty accurate. I'm sure it's, you know, what you guys expected to to an extent. And Sean, this I was just thinking about the article I sent you recently. By Tim Keller about how he says, you know, people look at an artist and they don't expect the artist to, on day one, create this beautiful portrait, right? They don't look at a football player, a basketball player, and on day one expect for him to score thirty points in the game, right? It's 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 talent and work, talent and work, talent and work, and constant grinding. And um, to your point, Lindsay, about growth, and you know, growth is to me it seems like it's death, new life, you know, dying to yourself, but then resurrecting in a new way, realizing that there's something different, and stepping into that. And for people to think that a relationship with two perfect people coming under the same roof, is going to be just easy, you know, is something that, you know, they could be in for a rude awakening, because like, like working in finance, or like having a media company, or like being an artist or being an athlete, you're not going to achieve perfection on day one, or if ever, right?
1: 100%. So true.
0: Yeah. Sean, I guess I have two more questions for you guys, but Sean, you mentioned something about choosing. How do you continue to choose somebody when every fiber of you doesn't want to choose them? How do you go against that? How do you choose when you don't feel like choosing? Uh, I don't know that I have an answer for this
2: because not every modicum of my body doesn't want to choose Lindsay.
0: That's a good answer. But
2: I, I think there's an element of one of my favorite sayings, quotes, Aphorisms, whatever the proper term is, but discipline is freedom. I think people really discount that because they think that motivation is supposed to strike and that's when you do your best work. But to your comment earlier about the artist or the athlete or the whatever, the truly great ones are the ones who do the things because they're supposed to, even when they don't want to. You know, I think David Goggins takes it to an extreme, but it's very easy to hit the snooze button when it goes off and you want to skip the gym that day. It's very easy to, oh, it's raining. I don't want to run today, which is a different version of saying, oh, this person pissed me off. I don't want to be in this relationship today. And again, this is not to say that people who don't run hit the snooze don't hit the snooze button or, you know, end the relationship aren't doing it for the right reasons. It's more a function of showing up is so important and showing up authentically is so important because I am coming from a place of understanding that there's going to be adversity. We're going to argue, we're going to fight, we're going to do all those things. So understanding that my time horizon for this relationship is a lot longer, it's not like I'm just trying to get in her pants. So if there's any level of you know, issue, I'm like, I don't got time for this, I'm out. This is, oh no, this is part of whatever it is we're building and this is how we're going to get there. And the sooner we go through these struggles, there's more coming. So we figure this out together and we get ready for the next one. But yeah, I think it's a discipline in saying like, I want to do this, and you keep going. And by the way, that that's not to excuse any behavior I have, or I'm perfect, and my eyes never swayed, and I'm never like you know th- those things. This is not me trying to come off holier than thou. It's just an acknowledgement that you know relationships are tough, and even when I think we're building a really good one, as I said about you know the ball bouncing a different way in the past, like if one of us made a different decision or whatever like it could look different so i just feel really really blessed and and lucky
0: yeah that's i think that's well said sean so i guess the final final question for you two before you reunite and they're not in two separate rooms um (laughs) but do you have any key takeaways key takeaways from your experience with each other and then any advice that you would you would share with people
1: so many. But the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, allowing another person to see all aspects of you is the greatest gift you can give that person and yourself, you know, it's, it's liberating yourself. And it's also giving the other person an opportunity to not only see those aspects of you, and feel more deeply connected to you, but perhaps to show up for you in a different way. And, you know, my propensity to want to manage other people's experience of me by presenting more of the perfect perfection side has robbed me of a lot of deep connections, I'm sure. I'm just grateful that Sean does not stand for anything other than the real, real and all of me. You know, he's quite psychic. And so if I'm ever trying to, (laughs) if I'm ever trying to not purposely keep something from him, but just kind of feel less uncomfortable by not sharing a part of me or an aspect of me, he can sense it and he'll call it out. And even though it's hard in the moment, it's truly liberating. And so, you know, I, I feel like within relationship, we are here to not only support and love one another, but really liberate one another. So mm. yeah.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about that as well, Lynn, about being genuine. And I like what you said that you're you're really robbing the other person if you don't, if you're not totally transparent about who you are because they want you. That's the thing too. It's right. They signed up for you and, you know, you're you're not giving them the full experience if you if you hold back in that sense. And Sean, what about you? What any key takeaways just from tonight's episode and your experience with Lindsay over the past seven, eight years, and then any future advice that you'd give to people that are listening?
2: Yeah. Listen, dog, I have no relationship advice. I I am not a guru on relationships. I am trying to put one foot in front of the other and make it through tomorrow. Um, I would say if I had to say something, you know, just try to communicate. Because even for me, someone who thinks I communicate well, communication is not necessarily always about, as Linz has taught me, what I say. Because sometimes it's how I say it. It's is what I'm saying landing to the person who's receiving it, not just making sure I say everything that's on my mind. Um, and I think the two anecdotes I'll leave you with, um, simply because I want to give plugs So hopefully people you'll get on this, this show. But one is actually large. you just mentioned him. But I remember years ago, we were in the Hamptons and we were sitting around the dinner table with Mr. and Mrs. Malloy. And Mrs. Malloy dropped some knowledge that I haven't forgotten. But she basically said, Listen, Sean, relationships are startups or they're MA. And yeah. startups, meaning you're with someone who you're growing with and you're going to grow together, or they're MA, meaning that one person is kind of being brought into someone else's life and they have to adapt.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I think I've been on both sides of those, but I do think even though Linz and I are pretty experienced in our own career paths, I think we're both a white belt in terms of where we are in this part of the relationship. And so growing together is super important. And I'll end by saying the second antidote, which you know, one of my best friends in the world, one of our best friends in the world, James, but I I had the distinct, Pleasure of spending many a night at the right household growing up. And, you know, I saw a lot, and uh, I've never experienced love as close as I have with the rights because, again, growing up with a Mm -hmm. single mom, I just never saw that, right? I never saw conflict resolution. I never saw people figure things out and raise three boys and send them to good schools and all these things. But that really, it really went to another level for me when, this is probably a couple years ago at this point, but I had just finished running on the West Side Highway and I'm stretching where I usually stretch and I look down, and it's not the road, but I, I look down a part of the West Side Highway and who do I see but Mr. and Mrs. Wright, like walking, like toward me. Like they don't know I'm there, like, right? They don't see me <laughs> and they're literally, Holding hands, and Mr. Wright is like pointing across um, the Hudson River, and Mrs. Wright is like right there, and they're smiling and doing whatever. And like that little moment for me was so powerful because I don't know how long they've been married now, whatever, 33, 34, 30, 30 odd years. And for someone who's never seen, a relationship of that caliber lasts for that long, right? I don't know everything they've been through. Obviously they've been through up and downs, just like every marriage. But mm. for them to have raised a kid who I grew up with, who's one of my best friends, and they didn't know I was there, this wasn't like a snapped Instagram picture, but just to see that in real life for myself, uh, I would just say that like, look, I'm, I'm happy that everyone's, or whoever listens to this, will take something away that helps them, as I always say, build their own mosaic. Yeah. Because the goal isn't to copy someone else's relationship, but rather right. figure out something good or bad from someone else's and help build, as Lynn said earlier, like your own thoughts about what it is you want and how you choose to show up in relationships, because you're not gonna get someone in mimicking another relationship, right? You, you have to figure out what works for you and the person that you're with.
0: mm mm-hmm. right. Wow, those are two great stories to end on. Um, you know, you seeing Mr. and Mrs. Wright, who I know as well and I admire as well, you know, seeing them, I'm just picturing them in that moment. I mean, it. you're right. I mean, you can't create a carbon copy, right? And you have to focus on what's uniquely yours. But I, I think what you're saying, Sean, is that the aspects of what you saw were just something that was very attractive and admirable. You know, the contentment, the partnership, the simplicity, the faithfulness, the loyalty, the love, right? I mean, in our 20s, we're going out all the time, running the streets. And when you're Mr. and Mrs. Wright's age, you're there and you're just casually walking the streets together, you know, and it's just you two. But to your point, Sean, you know, that doesn't happen overnight. That's something that is built, you know, through the thick and thin day in and day out. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's a beautiful way to end. So If you want more relationship advice, just go to the MML. There's a guy on the MML named Rob Hill Sr. And (laughs) if you search for his name, that's all the relationship advice you need. But seriously, though, true plug, just Lindsay would attest to this, but sign up at the MML, put your email address in. My brother, Sean, created it 12 years ago, right, Sean? Yeah, something like that. 12 years ago. And it's a platform just for inspiration, for meaning, for purpose, for impact. Um, it's culturally relevant. Um, it's witty and it's also become a platform for people other people's voices. And it's a blog. So would definitely encourage people type in promo code P to get a free MML sweatshirt. <laughs> 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 no, that I don't know if that would work. Um, but yeah, it's Sean Lindsay. Wow, we went deep tonight. It's way past Sean's bedtime.
1: <laughs> Thank you, P. That was such an honor. We
0: love you so much. Oh, thank you, Lindsay. I love you too, so much. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, both of you, for your candidness, your vulnerability, your transparency. You know, it's an episode that many people are going to listen to over and over again. And yeah, I'm looking forward to getting other people. As Sean mentioned, Largie and his beautiful wife, Casey, and Jimbo and his beautiful fiance, Margaret, will definitely be future guests. But again, thank you, you too. This has been awesome. This is not the last time Cornerstones will see you too. There's definitely going to be, be a part two. What are you guys doing tomorrow night? Are you free? <laughs> we'll, we'll let this one marry. <laughs> um, again, I love you too very much. And we'll see you next time. Brooklyn, we out. Brick by brick.
1: Brick by brick. Brick by brick. So good, Pete. Thank you. Love you, Pete. All right.
0: Love you, too. Good night.